0: Good morning everyone. So we are in Acts chapter 2. We left off at verse 37 last week and this is part of Peter's second sermon. No, first sermon. How many sermons? First sermon. And uh, we're going to be able, I think we're going to be able to finish that off today and move on. Uh, But before we get started, um, Alvaro, would you mind leading us in a word of prayer? Okay, so As I previously said, uh, we are in the midst of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he is basically making the case to them for Christ and giving them some proofs from the scripture that David had spoken of him previously, that Moses had spoken of him previously, that all the prophets had. And that they had... um, that Jesus' coming wasn't a surprise. We all knew that he was going to suffer. um, And all these people who are currently in Jerusalem were witnesses to these things. Or at least in very close proximity to it, they were aware in general of what was going on. I don't think you could be unaware of Jesus while living in Jerusalem in that period based on the crowds alone. uh, Based on the fervor with his trial and execution. Um, And so, let's just read, um, before we go right into 37, let's just read, um, starting in verse 33, just to get the little context so we can roll into it. Um, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, this is Peter speaking, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit... He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. And, of course, he's talking about the fact that they just came to see them all speaking in different tongues and things like that. So they're demonstrating power right now. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Again, bringing up David. And that they should have had an idea of what the Messiah would be doing. And then verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Now last week I ended pointing out that they have a pretty good attitude here. That They're pierced to the heart, and they're not fleeing from that feeling, um, which I think is easy for people to do. You don't like what someone says, and you immediately try to justify your own actions or you know, hear what you want to hear and that sort of thing. But their first thought is, what shall we do? And that's the thought that all people who want to be Christians should be, is what all Christians should be feeling. Um, because as we grow... And our faith, we're going to stumble, we're going to sin, and we always need to be focused on Well, what shall we do? How do I make this right? How do I repent? How do I grow? And then verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children... And for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. I mean that's that's pretty simple isn't it? Repent and each of you be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. I know all of us here understand that baptism is a required part of serving the Lord. It is necessary for salvation. And, and this verse puts it pretty simply. What must we do? Well you have to repent. And each of you be baptized. And um, a lot of um, so-called Christians will try to say that baptism isn't necessary. But they have to ignore verses like this and ignore verses, again, where Peter says, "And baptism now saves you. And resort to moments when they just say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Of course they will. Those who call on the name of the Lord and obey Him. And of course, baptism would be part of that. That's a part of obedience and being buried with Christ and risen up as a new man. Does anyone have any comments about just this passage right now? Uh, Chris?
1: Yeah, uh, I appreciate you pointing that out because uh, what people will say is that baptism is a work. Uh, that somehow grace, some merit favor, that that I could give you a gift and you can choose not to open the gift. Right. So, you, you know, or you could choose not to use the gift. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how uh, the Lord putting uh, his expectations on how to receive the gift would somehow be a work of man. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's where they go to. And, and as you say, it's very, very clear. Um, and, and yet people want to. And if, you, if you start off on the wrong foot there, then you're in trouble.
0: Right. And, and this is basically the first message. To the new, the new world, right? The post-resurrection. Every Right now, it was just the apostles and in, I forget exactly how many, but there's a few hundred with them, I think. And that all knew Jesus and were you know, praying and everything and waiting for the Holy Spirit. And now this is like the first official sermon. That's why they call it Peter's first sermon. And the very first message is repent and be baptized. If you start with that, I don't know how you would ignore it, uh, personally. Uh, Shane, did I see a hint too?
2: Yeah, it kind of goes along with Chris's point about if he gives you a gift. Um, verse 37 says, that, you know, they were cut from the top. Okay, so they heard the word of God. And it caused them to react to what they heard in the way God expected them to react after hearing the word. Mm-hmm. What shall we do? No, scripture doesn't say, what do I want to do? It says, what shall we do? So they immediately changed from what they thought they were doing was right was to what do I need to do now to be acceptable to God. And the point about the heart, if you go to Hebrews 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Word of God is living, and it's a discerner of both of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So once you start reading God's word, it makes you aware of what God expects of you because this is truth, that's your decision point. You. That's when you have to make that decision. Am I going to follow God or am I going to stay on the course I've had? recognize God the way I want to recognize God. Not the mindset, what shall I do, but what do I want? Do? What's going to make my life easier or more comfortable? Versus what does God expect of you? Because it will. When you hear and read from
0: God, it will go right to your heart. If you have an honest and genuine heart, to want to know what truth is. Right. Thank you. And I, I like the way you said that, that, that people could be thinking, what do I want to do? Because no one would Hopefully, no one would actively admit, okay, this is what I'm... Have, you know, where does it work for me? What do I want to do in response to this? But certainly by their actions, that's exactly what happens. Uh, but they would say, no, no, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. But uh, then when they willfully interpret things incorrectly, and I, I mean, it's obvious. Repent and be baptized. I don't know how you get over that. Um uh, and even then, they would say, oh, well, baptism's a good thing. It just doesn't save you. But I don't really see the... It's just splitting hairs, in a way. I, there's so much argument and bickering about it. Instead of just, this is what the Bible says. Even if I don't understand how that works, I'm going to trust God and do it. That's kind of the way I see it. I'll uh, yeah, I appreciate verse 36 because Peter out that God has established the authority he created Christ was there with him from the beginning and he, it says here um, it says, God has made Jesus whom he crucified both Lord and Christ um, establishing the power that was given to Christ, um, pointing that out to Yeah, that's a good point too we're always trying to do that we're trying to look at everything through our lens because it's us obviously we're superior but um, obviously we're not so um, you know the wisdom of God is above all of us so thank you for that that's a good point Um, anyone else before I move on yes sir you know it makes me think about even Philip in Munich and how they came upon the water and he
2: says here's water what hinders me from being baptized. Mm
3: -hmm. He just goes to show that what he was reading and what Philip was teaching comes together
2: as Christ's teaching baptism. And you know, know, we don't say that, except he says what hinders me from being baptized
0: I like you bringing up Paul, because you're right. He was kind of essentially on the other side of this crowd uh, at this point. I'm not saying he was there, but that his heart was pricked, obviously. And you're right. His first reaction was, okay, what do I need to do? Because I thought everything was fine. And, you know, I talk about willful ignorance and stuff, but there are legitimately some people who just aren't sure. And once they hear the message... They're going to respond, and we needed to make sure they have the opportunity to hear it. Yes, sir. Peter, he passed the test uh, after the resurrection of Christ, and he preached at some point to these Yeah, you know, that's that's great because, um, like, I, I sometimes struggle with talking to people about the gospel. It's like, Peter did it. We can just look at what he's doing. Um, I have a tendency to overcomplicate things. Well, I need to prepare for this point that they might bring up, and it's good to be prepared, obviously, but until we start talking to people, we don't even know what they'll bring up. They probably won't bring up half of the things that we want to talk about. Uh, Carol? I think there's- i That's, a, that's an interesting thought, too. Um, does anyone else have any thoughts on that? I
2: couldn't
0: hear Who? Where? here. Oh, you. You, the guy. Yeah,
2: I couldn't hear what
0: she said. Oh, that um, we will be held responsible if um, we don't preach about baptism every single time that we meet. Are you talking about worship service at homes or everywhere? I think I, everywhere, right? Worship? worship services. These, this is mm-hmm. the sermon. The very first to us. Yeah. And we
4: are supposed to be preaching the good news, mm-hmm. so we
0: have to be careful that we don't omit that Yeah. So yeah, obviously we do offer the invitation, we like to do that, but yeah I can understand that there if we go on like autopilot, we just ramble off some things and we don't want to do that. We want to make sure it's conveyed properly that we are offering it to everybody. Um, Chris. Uh, just
1: real quick, uh, you, you brought up cut to the heart. It's been brought several times here. Yeah. And I was thinking about Acts 7 verse 54, where it says they were cut to the heart, but they have quite a different reaction than what we see here. I mean, the reaction in Acts 7 is going to lead them to killing Stephen, mm-hmm. whereas here they are going to be those. And again, we have to remember context, we know 3,000 are going to receive it. But we also know that there are thousands of people there who, who don't receive the gospel this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, that's not the fault of the gospel. But the, the, the lesson for us is, what do we do when we have that emotional reaction to something? Mm-hmm. So Carol's made up a good point about us teaching and making sure that we're clear on baptism. And that, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we've had a lot of visitors here recently. And they might be wondering, well, how does this fit in? And, you know, I, I hear from this group over here, it's not required. And and your group said it is required. And what am I being baptized into? Uh, That's always a common thing. And and we should be able to demonstrate from the Bible very clearly what it teaches. And that's what we're doing here. Right. I mean, and and the fact that repent and be baptized are linked together with that that end. And it was brought up by by Mike about the Ethiopian eunuch. And you go through Acts and the pattern. What's the example that's the pattern? What does Romans chapter 6 say about the purpose of baptism? I mean, we could go on a discussion But just the fact that we have that emotional reaction, that's we really need to use our reason. And because both, both of them responded to it to have completely opposite reactions to the truth being time. Yeah. You know,
0: that's, that's that's a good reminder, too, about how so many, possibly more, did not respond to this day. And we're going to get to that. Mr. Mike. You know, also, we can be bringing about
2: there is day here preaching what baptism is mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that any uh, individual in the audience will actually listen yeah.
1: there's people that will not listen and they've chosen white they're stubborn in their heart mm-hmm. and that's just the way that's going to be But
2: I agree that we still we preach the gospel yeah. and we do mm-hmm. hear mm-hmm. I believe that every time we hear that the people that are here understand when you need to come forward, that they understand what it's for, mm-hmm. and that most people say that recipes, uh, if you need to be baptized, they understand that what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. now."
0: And I think, it, I think it depends on your audience. Like, obviously, yeah. Lord willing, we can pack the pews, right. so to speak. But, you know, you come in and you kind of see, okay, we have no visitors. And maybe we don't have to go into it as much. But, I mean, you bring up a point. I mean, Carol brought up the point. We don't know if we're overlooking someone. And we could always use a refresher anyway. Uh, did I see other hand anywhere? No? Yes? There's one point uh, you yeah, you're talking about this. Heart and how Chris brought up how people were cut in the heart, but they didn't react in the way God expects them to do. They react to the other negative, the way safety expected to do it. And Matthew 6 says, where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart will be also. So it's a value question. It's a value point, it's a value statement. What do you value? Thank you. So let's, uh, we've talked a lot about baptism, which is good. And of course it says it's for the forgiveness of your sins. And that's obviously a pretty important part of being a Christian, is being forgiven. So um, I don't think we need to go too far into that. But one thing I want to focus on, now that we've spent so much time on baptism, it says and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And can be a tendency to read this and think it's talking about spiritual gifts and there is no real reason to read into that um, because of course um, in other places the spiritual gifts were from, um, from the laying on of the apostles hands um, or obviously in this case where the uh, apostles were baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, and the caused that great noise, which is what attracted everyone to this place anyway, which initiated this first sermon. So, does anyone have any thoughts on what it means? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit if it is not talking about spiritual gifts. I
4: think it's talking about salvation.
0: Thank you, Um, well done, yes sir.
2: judgment given to them in regards to the scriptures so that they could prophesy and teach. And so you can tell the difference between those and then those who had received the gift of the Holy Spirit in the sense that they were able to receive salvation from the Holy that was given to them from the Holy Spirit. And it's why there are actions that that, that we were able to see which one had which. You know, Simon believed and was baptized. It, it, uh, no reason to believe that he didn't have a gift of the Holy Spirit given to well you did not have the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that's why you wanted to, to purchase them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's all it's all by the evidences that that how they lived their one fourth of their life after this is to what the gifts that they were given. And there was no mistake about the ones that were given the miraculous gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, it, was, it wasn't a iffy uh, you know, maybe here or maybe there type of a thing. Yeah. Uh, it was a very very much a distinction yeah. and those around them knew it.
0: Yeah, and I, I I, mean, I think both of you bring up good points. So obviously Clay is saying that here the gift is salvation. I would agree with that. And you bringing up a clear distinction between spiritual gifts where you could actually see, oh, they're doing something. That's obviously, it's miraculous. And the reason I want to really bring this up is because people will use this passage and, and the passage that Clay just read is, um, where it says for for the promises for you and your children and for
4: all who are far
0: off. So if you take this part to mean okay you're you have the Holy Spirit now and therefore spiritual gifts, then you should be seeing them everywhere. And if you're not, okay, well logically, what is this talking about then? And let's also look um, at Ephesians one, verse thirteen. <coughs> Uh, Because this goes into what Clay was talking about. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That's verse 14 there. Um, I mean, that's just talking about what Clay was talking about. Um, that this you have salvation, um, you've been saved, and the, the Holy Spirit is kind of – that's your promise, right? So I think it's easy, especially just first glance, to read this as like, oh, I have literally a part of the Holy Spirit inside of me. and I, It's not really saying that because um, obviously the Holy Spirit is part of the God, God that we don't just carry him around. Use him however you want, um, and I wouldn't say that he can go so far as to control us because we have free will. Um, and which uh, you know, I think other people can try to say that that's what's happening uh, when he indwells within you. That's not talking about you know him controlling your actions. It's talking about something else. And let's also read. 2 Corinthians 1, verse uh, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So again, I think that's just, that's what that's talking about. That's when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you are baptized, it's talking about that sort of thing. You are sealed, um, and you're given the Spirit in your hearts as a pledge. And of course, I won't say that the Spirit doesn't do work outside of the spiritual gifts that we do see. We know that he intercedes for our prayers, because we do not pray how we ought to. Um, And of course, he comforted the church at this time, and... Uh, I, I would say he comforts us now. But you kind of have to think about, like, well, how is he comforting us? And we can ascribe all sorts of different um, supernatural things to what's just a feeling that you have. Yes, sir? Well, I we
2: have to always keep in mind that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, just like miracles, were always done to confirm the Word. Right. And that they, weren't, they weren't done as a, as a passing oh, uh, He has gifts and no you saw him use his gifts. He was using his spiritual uh, gifts, of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous gifts, to confirm the word, of preaching that he was doing, mm-hmm. in which this truly came from God. Yeah. And that, and that's the difference that separates, you know, uh, having the Holy Spirit of salvation and having the Holy Spirit
0: of, the Spirit of the spiritual right. use yeah, Or at least that's how it was supposed to be used. Because obviously we have examples. Or I, I think it's in Corinthians. I forget. Exactly, which book. Yeah, but Charles Paul talks those. Yeah, Paul talks about those like, okay, when you speak in tongues, make sure you have an interpreter. You're not just there to show up, you know, and be silent if no one's there to benefit from it. Um, so these were gifts that they had and they, they could use uh, essentially whenever. Um, so my challenge to anyone who says that spiritual gifts are still around today and that they have not ceased is like, well, show me. Um, and they can't course. And I mean, so logically, um, I think this interpretation makes the most sense. You are being sealed with the Holy Spirit of salvation upon baptism. Yes, sir? Uh,
2: in uh, verse 38, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit for a baptism, it could be either way. It's mm-hmm. either uh, objective, which is if the Holy Spirit is the uh, subject, it would be what it gives. No. Mm-hmm. No, right?
0: right. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I think reminding us of that uh, aspect of grammar is important. because it's, it's very easy to read that and be like, okay, you're being given the Holy Spirit, whereas the Holy Spirit giving you something. And I mean, you can take it both ways and probably um, justify it, because obviously we do have the Holy Spirit doing things for us. He convicts us through his word. And he, um, like I said, intercedes for our prayers. We we have those benefits. Um, But I think it it can also be just taken in a different way. We want to be careful about that. Chris.
1: Yeah, I appreciate all the comments. Uh, As we know in in John 16, verse 13, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you to all truth. And so along with the miraculous gifts and salvation, the fact that they're going to be taught. We don't have the completed New Testament. Yeah. So there has to be a way to reveal information so they can understand what they're supposed to do. And, and, and that's exactly what's going to happen. And we know that people like Paul are going to, with the Holy Spirit, write letters to individuals and in their congregations that we can apply to ourselves today. And one more point which you brought up that supports what you said, and that's the fact we know that Peter clearly uh, had miraculous gifts and things. But we also know in Galatians, Paul had to stand to his face. Mm-hmm play a hypocrite, so it goes to free will. And, and we also know, based on the letters to the Corinthians, that as was suggested, these miraculous gifts were going to cease. So that, that's why we could point to today and say, well, they had a temporary purpose. The New Testament was not complete yet. Mm-hmm. They, as, as Joe pointed out, they confirmed the teaching at the time. But now we have the complete, revealed will of God, therefore we don't need uh, those resources. And they were going to end at a certain point, point. they did. Right.
0: Thank you.
4: So I, you know, thinking about this and about uh, a couple other examples of, of conversion in the book of Acts and kind of what we see in the scriptures, it's just a good reminder that uh, in the world today, people want to be guided by their feelings, and and they, they want feelings to kind of reign over things, and that's seeped its way into religion, you know, about what, what feels right, what feels good to me, and, and, and what makes Happy. But in, in, in the biblical order of things, is that facts always come first? You know, so you have Peter's sermon, where he's basically dropping some facts. Here are the facts, and boldly he says the things that he says would make connections with the Old Testament, things that we talked about that you brought up in class. And then the, the second thing in that is faith. They they, they recognize something needs to be done. And those who are gripped to the heart, they, they realize they need to do something. They, they, they say, what shall we do? And so there's, there's a faith aspect there. And the feelings comes after all that. Mm-hmm. The feelings comes after they've heard the facts. The, the, after they have been obedient to the word. The feelings are later. And so verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple of breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness. Simplicity apart, and then we'll see other places where you know the Ethiopian eunuch went on rejoicing. You know, the feelings come after, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a, a very important biblical truth that that's good for all of us to be reminded of. Um, feelings don't really come first when it comes to understanding the truth of God, right? The truth of God comes first,
0: yeah. Well, and even as you said, the feelings come after you understand. Um, but even then, the feelings could be wrong if you're interpreting something incorrectly and you're just like, well, I feel good about this. though." Um, so, yeah, the feelings, I, I think there's definitely a tendency to be, feel like, okay, well, I feel this way. The Holy Spirit's making me feel this way. Therefore, I'm being led in a certain direction or whatever. And uh, Like I said, it's, I don't, I'm not suggesting the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything today. Um, obviously, it has preserved the word for us I would argue that it's actively preserving it because no one's able to corrupt it or wipe out all the Bible, so to speak. But also, um, you know, the Holy Spirit is God, and we don't know everything he does. You know, he's he's working, doing all sorts of stuff, I would assume, but we don't know all that. And obviously we know prayers get answered. We just don't know the nature of how those things get answered sometimes. And all of those things happen regardless of how we feel because God is a separate entity from us you know our feelings have nothing to do with them and um, I'm not 100% sure but um, you might have been referring to Acts 8 I think there was another time when um, a group was baptized with the Holy Spirit that it wasn't the apostles and like, they hadn't had Hands laid on them, as far as I know, and it was a, it was an interesting thing um, because I think, as far as I know, it's the only instance where um, miraculous gifts come upon someone that without laying on of hands. But it's also an obvious thing where the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we don't have that happening all the whole time. I, it's not something that happens in secret, like like here. In Acts 2, there was such a great noise that everyone was attracted to it. It's obvious. Um, shoot, I wish I remembered which verse it was. Maybe I'm wrong about being in Acts 8. Uh, oh, yeah. In verse 14 of Acts 8, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they went. They sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Never mind. I read that. Inc- I was remembering it incorrectly. Anyway, then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So the laying on of hands still happens there. Um, so forgive my accidental heresy if I spoke it. But um, there's, yeah, that's a good point too. That is clearly a distinction between the gift of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, and what they would have had already is the. Gift of salvation. Uh,
1: Chris. Going back to Clay's point, real quick about emotion, if you could put yourself in the position of the people in Acts 2 or Acts 7, people would have been offended by this message. And people are offended today. And I've heard sometimes people criticize preachers or teaching because it doesn't make you feel good. But in both cases, they were cut to the heart because it was the truth. And so, again, it goes back to when we have that emotional reaction, I think we need to take pause and ask ourselves, why am I responding this way? (laughs) Is it because it's uh, not true and not valid? Or is it because it's something that I don't like? And and, and that's an important uh, point for us to consider. So uh, I, I really think that, you know, if we're just listening to lessons where... We're never offended if we feel good about ourselves. And that doesn't mean that you, you go, you know, all the time with a, a diet of one thing. Mm-hmm. But it means, in this case, that the, the teaching of the gospel was... I mean, think about, in both cases, you killed Christ. That, that's what was being said to these groups. Now, we might say, well, we didn't kill Christ right But we're sinners. And because of our sin, Christ died for us. So in that sense, we, we are responsible. And, and therefore once we acknowledge that, then we can move on and, and
0: accept the gift that God gave us. That's right. Thank you so much. Um, all the comments have been great. I really appreciate it. And, and, and thank you for bringing that up also, because when it's when it's saying, you know, for the promises for you and your children, people will use that to justify oh, well, then I've got to baptize my children. Because the promises for them. But it's ignoring the fact that it says repent and be baptized. I mean, these things go together for the forgiveness of sins. And like you said, an infant can't repent. They don't, they barely understand you still exist when you leave the room. Um, so yeah, th- thank you, that's a good point. I, I did want to bring that up. So I'm glad you put it in before the buzzer. That's good. Um, anything else before we say like two words before the bell rings? Well, and
1: that's yes. also based on error of the of sin, which is not biblical. And again, so it puts them in a conundrum like the Catholic church when they're asked, well, are you saying that the infant who's not baptized is condemned to hell? and they can't get out because they believe that uh, infants are born in the sin, which, again, is not what the Bible teaches. I I noticed that's that's always...